Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, episode number 96. With Dr. Daniel Stickler, he's a former vascular surgeon who concluded that traditional medicine is not the best route for ideal health. He's now the co-founder and chief medical officer of the Apiron Center for Human Potential, Apiron meaning limitless, and is the visionary pioneer behind systems-based precision lifestyle medicine, which is a new paradigm that redefines medicine and the old symptoms-based disease model to one of limitless peak performance. His work now focuses on longevity, epigenetics and lifestyle optimization. And along with his work at the Apiron Center, he's the medical director for the Neurohacker Collective, a Google consultant for wearable technology, AI and healthcare, and a guest lecturer at Stanford University on epigenetics in clinical practice. I'm so excited to introduce Dr. Stickler to you today. I was first introduced to Dr. Stickler from Luke Dupron, whose interview opened up my awareness to a whole new level with even just a glance of the title, Limitless Peak Performance and Human Potential, Epigenetics, Aging and Anti-Aging, and the Future of Being a Healthy Human. For those listening, I urge you to be open-minded and think about your own potential. Wouldn't you like to be limitless? Wouldn't you like to improve your longevity? Turn back the hands of time a few years. Let me introduce you to Dr. Daniel Stickler, who has no doubt in his mind that these are all things that will be commonplace in the next 10 years. Even the thought of living to and perhaps past 150 years of age. Get ready to have your mind expanded and pay close attention if you've been searching for ways to increase your productivity, well being, and results. This is Andrea Samadhi on the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast. And my guest today is Dr. Daniel Stickler, an author, speaker, medical pioneer, and expert in human optimization. Welcome, Dr. Stickler. What an incredible honor to have this chance to speak with you today. Thank you so much for your time and for all you're doing to expand the world's awareness of what is truly possible when it comes to human potential. I'm excited to be here. I love talking about this stuff, as you've probably seen from, from previous podcasts and video interviews. Absolutely. I've put all of your podcasts in the show notes because you really dive deep into the area. So I want people to be able to dive deep uh, and access everything that you're talking about in your past interviews. And I've crafted some questions for you, but before we even get to those, I'm sure anyone listening will be as intrigued as I was at exactly what you're doing for this whole new paradigm of health and performance. So before we get to the questions, can we just start out with how this, what you're doing will really change the perception of the world, just like when Roger Bannister ran the four minute mile and he changed people's perceptions of their ability to do the same. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the biggest aspect of it is that we've, we've taken health and wellness and, and, you know, we look at this human system, you know, this, this body that we have, and we've applied the wrong rules to it. And we've been trying to make decisions based on the rules that we applied. 
And it's not optimized the way it's doing that because we don't have the basic understanding of this. I mean, when people talk about um, systems approaches, you hear a lot of people talk about systems approaches in every aspect of life, you know, from politics to uh, ecology, and, and it applies to the human system as well. So, you know, is this human system, when we look at it, is it a complicated system or a complex system? And it's an important distinction because it changes the way you think about it and it changes the way you intervene with it. And the, the prevailing um, idea of the human system has been that it's a complicated system. That's what all the rules are based on. And unfortunately, it's not a complicated system. It, a complicated system is something that is, um, it's very linear. So input A equals output B. If you double A, you get double B. And, and it's reductionistic. So you can take every piece out, know exact, find out exactly what it does, and then put it back in and, and apply that with another piece. And the way they interact is the sum of the, of the total. And that works great for mechanical things like airplanes and robots and, and that. But the human system is defined by what's called a complex adaptive system which means it's not reductionistic. It can't be uh, controlled that way. And when we take that approach to it, we miss the point because this system, it's a sum of, it's a net of all of these things. And because there's feedback loops and everything going on all around the system, you can't predict the outcomes with certainty. And, and a complicated system requires that you take an input, put it into the system, and you can predict with 100% certainty what it comes out to. And that's kind of what we've done with medicine and health right now is that we've taken that approach based on, on research models and uh, the sum of these, these inputs. And the other thing with a complex adaptive system is it has emergent properties, meaning that as we put the system through stressors, as we change the environment the system functions in, the system adapts and it won't respond the same way to that same input the next time because it has changed. And this is the approach that we've been taking in, in our approach to health and wellness is looking at it from this new way of thinking and approaching it from this whole systems approach. Well, that's exactly why I asked you to come on the podcast because I started a couple of months ago, I watched Dr. David Perlmuter's science prevention documentary where he talked about five health staples that were preventing Alzheimer's. And these are basic things that we've all heard about, like daily exercise, good quality sleep and healthy diet, um, intermittent fasting and optimizing our microbiome. And then I saw you on Luke Dupron's podcast and you seem to take these five health staples to a whole new level. Like this is where the general population is thinking and then where you're taking this, it's a whole new thought process. Can you explain how you discovered this new world, you know, where it's genetics and epigenetics and your fascination for human systems that led you to the fact that we really can be the architects of our own future? Yeah, and um, I'm familiar with those, those five staples that, that are mentioned there. And I, and I think it's, it's a major underestimate of what, what actually creates that. I mean, they are, they are core pieces for sure. But what I've learned is that it's hard to isolate anything. It, you know, the, the whole concept of root cause, um, which is like the functional medicine mantra, 
is is propagating the that linear model again you get you get down and you try to identify the one thing that's created this and it's never one thing um you know take take a woman who gets a urinary tract infection i mean you know the the current thing is oh fevers burning on urination positive urine culture okay she's got a uti we'll put her on an antibiotic and then send her home and and see how she does mm -hmm. and basically that's completely off track as the way we should be approaching it so we should be approaching it and saying okay well why did this woman get a uti in the first place what was the source of the bacteria that caused it and why would she get it and this other woman who's similar to her not get that and you can keep asking these questions and that's the great thing about complex systems thinking is you don't run out of questions and you keep going down that model you know does she have some immune issue that makes her more prone to this than somebody else they found that the microbiome actually plays a role in women getting that they found that iron levels play a huge role in women getting e coli utis so women who are iron deficient tend not to get them but the women that have plenty of iron in the system they're more prone to them so all of these things play into that and that's what we have to start considering to practice really smart medicine and smart health overall so you know i started off as a surgeon and i worked for 10 years as a surgeon and i loved it i was doing general and vascular surgery but I, was, I had a passion for looking at medicine from a different model when i went into medical school it wasn't what i thought it was and and I thought it was about making people healthier and, and really helping them out. But it's a, it's a model designed for sick people and it does an okay job, but not a great job with it because of the, the way they approach it. And so through the years, I started developing this as a hobby on the side. And eventually after about five years of doing it with surgery, I walked away from the surgery because I, I loved what I was doing. And, you know, even like, you know, you talk about one of these key staples is nutrition. Everybody knows nutrition. You know, if you want to do anything healthy, it's always nutrition and fitness are the, are the top pieces of that. And even nutrition, there is no perfect human diet. You can't say that this is the diet everybody should eat because everybody is different. And, you know, that got me into genetics, which I can look at polymorphisms in the genetics and we can look at and see ancestrally what have you kind of developed primarily through ancestry for your processing of carbohydrates of, of the different fats of monounsaturated fats saturated fats um, and create a probability based dietary program that says this is this is the diet that genetically speaking ancestrally you've done the best with you, you take like an Inuit Eskimo they've got an ancestry of eating high fat diets so their genetics are primed for that and you take somebody who's been in that ancestry in that lineage you take them out of that environment where it was high fat and you put them on a you know a western diet and they, they don't do well. They get heart disease uh, because there's too many starchy carbs and that in the diet. And the same goes for somebody of Asian background where most of that ancestry has been a more starchy based diet. You put them on a high fat diet and they're going to get heart disease. Mm -hmm. So you can customize dietary plans with the genetics, at least give a probability and then test it as you go to see if that works. Same applies to exercise and then you know, sleep is another core category, which most people 
they don't like to pay attention to sleep. They say, I just can't sleep. I've tried everything. Nothing works. And then they give up on it. But sleep is absolutely critical. I mean, I've had people that came in for weight loss and they were doing everything right except sleeping with good quality sleep. We fixed that and suddenly they were losing weight doing the exact same thing. So you've got to look at all the pieces that play into that. Now, microbiome was part of the, uh, the Alzheimer's protocol uh, for the key staples, but problem is we just don't have enough info on the microbiome right now. We don't have enough info to accurately test it. And even if we knew what it was, it's hard to manipulate it in any way. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of trillions of cells that you're trying to adjust by taking a spoonful of, uh, of probiotics. Um, it just doesn't have that big of an impact that most people think it does. And it can actually, a recent study two years ago showed it could make it worse. So um, we tend to focus on getting the health of the system and the health of the gut to an ideal state where it will take care of itself because your gut adjusts to your environment. I mean, you change your eating habits, it's just like going out of the country. You go to a different country and you change an eating style and generally your gut doesn't like that very well. And it will rebel on you until it has time to adjust and adapt to a microbiome that's more suited for that type of a dietary plan. Well, this is powerful right here because most of us are not optimizing these five staples. So when I was looking at your work, I thought, well, we've got to start here and, and then look, start looking at what you're doing and you're measuring these with tools, with technology. Is that right? Like someone would come to see you and you're taking this to a whole new level. So my sleep would be monitored with a, like a whoop device. Yeah. And nutrition would be monitored. Would you be monitoring my blood sugar on a dashboard? What, what would you be doing with me if I was coming to see you to take this to a new level? Yeah. So we, we do all sorts of metrics. I mean, we are very data driven. I even, I won't put anybody on anything like a different diet or a different supplement or a different medication until we establish the metrics that we're going to use to measure whether it's doing what we think it's doing. You know, so many people just take supplements because they read something about it. Um, and they have no way to, to say whether it's working or not. They just say, Oh, I feel better on it or I don't feel any different, but it says it's supposed to work on this. There are ways to measure that stuff and, and they can be indirect. I mean, you know, with the, with the Garmin, um, we use, um, we use the Garmin, the higher level Garmin's that have a lot of data that come in on them. And we have our, our clients wear them 24 seven and we collect their sleep data. We collect their resting heart rates, their stress levels or heart rate variability. Uh, we can look at their sleep patterns and you know, they're not great for tracking sleep, but they're good from a dynamic standpoint. So you can look at where they were in the baseline before any changes were made and see how it changed when you implemented the change in the diet or the, or the exercise pattern or whatever you're doing. So we always like to have some kind of a metric. We'll do blood work periodically uh, every three to four months in the first year. Uh, we do brainwave mapping. So we map the brainwave patterns and we'll do um, psychophysiologic stress profiles where we look at how your autonomic nervous system responds to stressful events and see if we can work with that to optimize the outcome. 
And mainly the people that you've been working with, would you say they're high level executives and pro athletes, or would you be seeing more entrepreneurs and people that just have a craving now for this? Yeah. I mean, we have, we're across the board with that. I mean, we have, we have a lot of the, um, a lot of the entrepreneurs. So there, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are really, it's funny because they'll, they'll get really involved into their careers. They have a very successful career. And then all of a sudden they're like, Whoa, what happened to me? Um, and you know, these are driven people. And then they realize this and they realize they've gone so far that they're having trouble pulling it back with, with effort. Uh, we have a lot of those. We have a lot of, um, of C-suite executives that come to see us. We have a couple of professional athletes, but we also have, you know, just the everyday biohackers that uh, are really interested in leveraging um, aspects that are available now that, you know, you can't get through most conventional uh, medical care. And um, even even the, the lifestyle stuff that we do, I mean, lifestyle is probably 90% of what we're working on. Mm-hmm. And the other 10% is this cutting edge uh, technology and, and peptides and that kind of stuff. Well, I had no idea how my level of awareness was going to change before I began looking at your work. And I actually came from the personal development industry and I worked with a speaker. He challenged us on a daily basis to look at the world and think of the opportunities. And he would say, don't just look through the keyhole, open the door and see the possibilities out in the world. So I've always been operating from this point of view. What do you think about where we are in the world today? Do you think the rest of the world is ready for what you're working on right now with, with where we are? I would say the rest of the world is not ready right now. Uh, we generally say we work with that 1% in the population that really, you know, the, we, we co-create with our clients uh, with purpose on purpose and for purpose. I mean, that's our mantra. And the idea is that these are really self-motivated individuals that come to us that just need the Sherpa that's going to help them get to the summit. And that's what we're guiding them with. We show them new tools. We show them how to use those tools. We give them our inputs when needed. And the idea is that it's, it's their personal journey. Uh, but, you know, we work we go well beyond what standard, I mean, we started off, you know, the first couple of years we were focused on body. So it was about, you know, the sleep, the, the um, physical performance of the body, um, that kind of approach. And then, then we started getting into stress response and we were like, yeah, this is really important. We've got to start working with this. So we added in-depth stress metrics and then we, we saw that we needed to work with the brain as well. So we started working with cognitive function and how do we optimize this and what can we use? And, and so we were, we had the body and the mind. And then about two years ago, um, we added the, the part of spirit, which I think is overlooked in a lot of, um, a lot of care because it's important. And, you know, it's kind of cliche, the body, mind, spirit thing, but it is relevant for sure. I mean, when we work with people, we're working with, uh, identifying purpose. I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, everybody is in this pursuit of happiness. And the thing is, happiness isn't a, an object to pursue. Happiness is a side effect of something. And so all this positive psychology and pursuit of happiness, I think, has taken us off track. And it's because we've lost purpose and identifying a purpose for ourselves. So we work with that. We work with 
developing a more collective consciousness, a more unity consciousness, uh, a more interactive piece with the environment. I mean, environment is a huge part of what we do in, in working with people and how, you know, this human system doesn't end at the skin. It's everything out there. And this is what epigenetics tells us. I mean, even the air we breathe can, every breath, our cells are sampling what's happening in the environment and saying, what do I need to change in order to thrive in this environment? Every food we eat, we don't even call food nutrients necessarily. We call them bionutrients because they actually have a, an effect on the biologic expression of our cells. And people look at it as only a calorie mix, a macronutrient mix, and it's, it's truly a bioactive nutrient. And, you know, the, the water we drink, the food we eat, the air we breathe, the exposure outside, all of this plays into it. So I think people have overlooked that aspect of what it means to do that. And really, there is no limit to what we're capable of. Like you've given us a lens to see that we could be so much more with with what you're measuring which is in essence what the speaker was urging us all to do open the door and see what you can do and now you're providing us with some tools here which which is powerful and simon sinek built his career on you know his book starts with why so i'm not surprised that you're finding the connection with the spirit um, and this kind of brings me to the next question. You mentioned a concept called interoception or the ability to listen to the signals within your body. And we've actually talked about it on the podcast because we had Dr. Dan Siegel on and he's got this wheel of awareness meditation where he takes you through the parts of your body. Um, when you're doing this meditation on a daily basis, this strengthens. Can you talk about this skill? Maybe, you know, pro athletes use it in their career and maybe like a special operations person uses it in a life and death situation. But what about just the regular person? How could we use this skill to take our results to a next level? And, you know, how, how would you teach somebody to develop this? Yeah. And we're in our minds so much of the time. We're not in our bodies, but we're in our minds. And, and this is where we've kind of gotten off track with things. Interoception to, to me is that ability to, understand the signals that come from the body. I mean, we've, we've gotten so far away from this. I mean, during ancestrally, when we were surviving on the environment and had to pay attention to this, it was important. But now, I mean, people, people wake up and they eat breakfast and they don't even ask themselves if they're hungry. Mm-hmm. It's like the time of day and you just have to eat. So they're not even seeing what their system's telling them and whether that signal seems right or not you know i've caught myself i look at the the clock and it's noon and all of a sudden i get hungry just because i looked at the clock and so i i try to get people to start paying attention to that And, and one of the things about the wearable monitors is we're able to quantify impacts in the environment or impacts that that we're feeling in the body and seeing how that relates and so over the course of the year, I'm working with clients because I get on a, a video call with my clients every month and we go through their dashboard on their, on their data and we say, okay, look at this, you know, Saturday and Sunday, your, your stress levels really shot up, you know, and this is the weekend, you know, what's going on here and, and we'd say, what do you, what did you do Friday night? Oh, I went out with some friends and we had some drinks. Okay. Alcohol actually raises stress level 
pretty dramatically for most people and they're not aware of it. Mm -hmm. But when you start paying attention to it, you, you can start feeling it the next morning. You're like, oh, okay. I see the difference between the days when my stress level is really low versus really high. I kind of learned this early on. I, I did a lot of um, meditation work and I was doing uh, Renzai Zen and Soto Zen meditation. And I then went into Vipassana and Vipassana has this body scanning um, aspect to it that, that you can do. It's kind of a, a subsect of it where you just kind of scan what's happening within each part of your body. I and mean, you start at the toes and go to the head mm -hmm. and you spend as much time feeling into that, that one piece of what's happening in your body. And that's where I first started paying attention to that interoceptive piece for sure. That's a very powerful skill. My mom was always trying to teach me these skills when I was young, preparing me for where I was going. And I never really understood it until now, years later, I can see where all these skills come into play. And I watched your interview with Brian Rose you did for London Real, and you give an incredible overview of your, the work you're doing. So I've included that link in the show notes for what you're doing over at your centers. And then you did an interview with Ari Witten, and I followed him for years on the work he's doing with the mitochondria. Uh, but you go deep into the best peptides to boost mitochondria health, brain health, and longevity. Um, can you just give a brief overview? Because this is new to me. I've never heard of using peptides versus pharmaceuticals, but can you just give an overview of what you're doing with this and how? Yeah, peptides are kind of a new biologic, I, I kind of refer to them as, because they're, they're biological, biologically developed. They're not foreign to the body. They're strings of amino acids that are usually segments of, of peptides or proteins that the body naturally makes. And maybe there's an alteration here or there with them. But the, the peptides are very on target with what they do. So you can isolate a segment that we know attaches to this receptor on fat cells or this receptor on muscle or how it interacts with the, the nuclear DNA. So we can isolate very specific pieces of it and have a very on target effect. And it's amazing what we're able to create with this. I mean, using the body's own chemistry to say, you know, how can we upregulate this? Well, we do it with the way the body does it naturally, except we just give it in a very focused dose. This is different than medications and supplements even, where you have something that goes into the human system. It's an input that that is having an on-target effect, but it also has off-target effects. So it's gonna affect other systems as well. And we always tell people, everything you put into the system essentially has a pro and a con to it. There is a benefit and there is a detriment to everything that we put in. And you just have to look at it and weigh the pro versus the con and make sure that the net is positive in what you're trying to achieve. And the peptides don't have that big of a imbalance between the pros and the cons. And so we like to use those because they're, they're so on target. Now you're not going to see a lot of these in mainstream medicine because most of them can't be patented. Right. You know, a, a segment of an amino acid that the body naturally makes can't be patented. They have to modify it in some way to make it patentable. And so there's not a whole lot of people getting money to do research on peptides. And a, a lot of this is the end of one people doing this online. I mean, I, 
I kind of troll around these end of one groups and see what, what they're doing, what's working and see if it makes, you know, sense making, um, to me. And we kind of go from there. And you deal with peptides for weight loss, for anti-aging, for mitochondrial health, for pretty much everything that people need. You've got the answer. Now, well, I mean, we, we have probabilities of answers. Uh, you okay. know, nothing works consistently for everybody. Yeah. So we, we trial and error a lot of these things. Now, did I hear this right? Because I built the podcast Neuroscience Meets Social Emotional Learning. My whole purpose of this was to bring the most current neuroscience in with the social emotional skills and these EQ skills that are missing in the workplace. Did I hear you say somewhere that you have a peptide that can help with compassion and empathy or what was, what did I hear there? Well, we're, we're hoping, you know, uh, you know, we've already got empathogens out there. They're not necessarily legal, but empathogens are there. Uh, you know, people looked at oxytocin as an empathogen, but problem is taking oxytocin, either nasal injection or oral, it doesn't get into the brain. But that doesn't make it invalid. It doesn't make it not worth anything because you still get the peripheral effects of oxytocin in the body. So the heart feels the oxytocin release and the heart's connected with the brain. So you're actually going to get some aspect of that there. Um, this, this aspect of the oxytocin not crossing into the brain is a new finding out of Hopkins. It's, uh, I think it's assumed to be published study that, um, I was able to talk with the uh, head of research there and, uh, and had a long conversation about that. But, um, you know, the, you have things like Melanotan 2, which is an injection that people use to, to accelerate tanning of the body. Mm-hmm. But Melanotan 2 is actually a segment of alpha MSH, which is a, a peptide that the brain secretes. And it has a lot of effects on the system. And this Melanotan 2 actually gets into the system and causes oxytocin release. So it, it doesn't necessarily work in the nucleus accumbens, which is where most of this emotional stuff occurs, but it's like right next to it and there's a ton of it released. So the crossover is there. And, you know, we've, we've experienced that with melanotan too uh, in ourselves and in some of our clients, they reported it. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, things like some of the psychedelics that are going to become legal soon, like, like MDMA. I mean, you know, you look at the scientific value of something like MDMA, and it's pretty amazing. Yet it is a true empathogen. I mean, it causes a massive dump of dopamine and serotonin, but more importantly, in combination with that comes the oxytocin at the nucleus accumbens. And what they found with this is, you know, during, during uh, early life, we have a social developmental period that kind of peaks around the age of eight or nine, where we're learning social, social interactions. And then it starts to really plummet down to about age 15 and there's not much training and you can't change it much at that point. And at 25, you can't change it at all. Mm-hmm. So you're locked into a kind of a social, um, social context that you developed in your, in your early uh, eight to 12 year old child. And that doesn't apply very well in, in adult life now because society has changed. So they found, I think, working with autism and, and some of the, the mice studies that a single dose of MDMA was able to open up that social developmental period fully for a two-week period after a single dose. 
And, you know, it's important that if that happens, you've, you've got to make sure that the social stuff that you do during that time is really in line with, with what you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, I'm, I'm got my fingers crossed that the, the data that's coming out on MDMA will get it passed to be uh, available medically because I think there's, there's huge value in it as we're seeing also with the psilocybin research. Um, and, you know, if we can get the stigma away from it, from the, from the party aspect of it and start really looking at it from what it can do and the, the potential it has to, to really upgrade the human system, I think it's amazing. Well, this is fascinating. Are you still spending every day from five in the morning till seven doing your research? Is this still <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I'm actually shifted a little bit. I'm waking up about 4.30 now. All um, right. I don't know why, but you know, we go to bed at nine, nine thirty every night, uh, just because yeah. we're not very productive in the evenings in the morning, our brains are like lit up and we're able to. So, uh, my wife and I, we just kind of sit in bed and we, we read stuff to each other and, and talk about, you know, things that are exciting in the world. And I mean, there's some days we'll sit four or five hours before we even start our day, just going through stuff and talking about things. It's great. Oh, I love that. This is cutting edge information and I really appreciate you spending the time with me here. What is your vision for what you're doing and building with your centers? Uh, you know, we want, we want to help people to understand the human system better because I think once they understand it, it will give them more power to do something. You know, I, I've talked about the hundredth monkey in many of my, my talks and we're seeing this shift in in the collective and when we get to that tipping point I think we're gonna have people say hey wait a second what is this so that's why I say right now we're dealing with the 1% but eventually that 1% is gonna hit that exponential rise and we're gonna see a lot of people coming on board with it and you know we've got 400 coaches worldwide right now that are um, really using this model with their clients in, in life coaching. So, um, you know, we're making inroads into it and gradually getting there. Well, this is exciting. So for someone that wants to perhaps get a hold of you, you mentioned to me beforehand that you have the DNA kits. Um, cause I think Brian Rose talked about the fact that you had tested his DNA when I was watching that interview and I thought, well, how that would be amazing to, uh, have my DNA tested and then have your experts analyze it. And then what, what are you doing with that, um, DNA kit? Well, interestingly, we, we are just moving to a direct to consumer version of it. Um, although I don't recommend making any inroads into that with just the direct-to-consumer version. I mean, I've got videos on there that explain each of the different segments of the test, but you really have to have an epigenetic coach to kind of guide you through it because genetics is, I mean, it's the hardware of the system. It's, it's wired in there. It's not going to change, but the expressions of the genes change and that's the epigenetics and that's the stuff you have control over. We can give you an overview of that, but without somebody interacting with you, the ability to to really progress is is hampered with just the test. So, if you go to uh, getmydnakit.com right now, you can order the kit and get the initial report. But then you can also add on uh, time with one of our certified coaches. So we've got we've got 
over a hundred certified coaches um, right now. Uh, we've got 300 of them in training that are, that are heading that way. But the certified coaches are well-versed in, in the systems-based approach in genetics and epigenetics and really helping to create that, um, that lifestyle response that's going to give you the best outcomes. Well, that's powerful. So for anyone that wants to get more information on that, I'll put the links right in the show notes. And you also have uh, certified coaches. Or could someone become a certified coach? You have yeah. so, um, so much on your website. Yeah, we've, we've got a big ecosystem. I mean, we've got a genetic company. We've got a teaching company. We've got medical centers, a uh, store. Um, but the for the for the coaching, it's... Um, it's appear on dot Academy right now. Right. Um, we are working on getting a international certification for the coaches too in health and wellness. Um, so we're, we're making some modifications to it that that are going to go into effect in January. But if you sign up now, you will get the new course as well. So you'll be able to at least sit for a certification at some point. Um, but it's about 90 hours of training. So it's, <laughs> it's a lot of training. And uh, our group, though, is just, it's so amazing. I and mean, we have physicians, chiropractors, psychologists, um, naturalopaths, traditional Chinese medicine. They're all learning together on the same platform. They help each other. So it's a pretty amazing group. Well, I love it. I want to thank you so much for your time today. This is very serious work. And I've heard you say that you're a serious coach and you give guidance to those to help them on the right path. And you're not a cheerleader and you won't (laughs) be like that person that doesn't call someone out on their crap, which I love because you're not going to help anybody get anywhere if you're a cheerleader. So Um, This is the only way to get serious results. I love what you're doing. And I want to thank you so much for the opportunity for for me to learn from you and for all that you're doing for the world. I hope that the listeners have a look at your website and go and get one of the DNA kits if they're interested in moving forward. Is there any other final thoughts that you want to say to close out? No, I mean, just keep your mind open. Don't, Don't stay in a a lens of the limited human. I mean, genetics, what I've learned about DNA, is it is the most incredible, amazing molecule that is in existence. I mean, we're not even coming close to, to explaining the way it works and the potential that it has. I mean, look at every aspect of life on this planet it comes from the same code just organized in different ways. So, I mean, the potential is enormous with this. And if we can get away from that limited mindset and look at the possibilities of what's out there, I mean, who knows what can happen with it. That's why you say we're limitless. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. All right, thank you for having me. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 